if you're new around here, welcome. I hope you got a gift basket. If you didn't, um, there's stickers out there. <laughs> I'd love to give you a sticker personally. Uh, my name's Becca. I'm the worship and media director here at River City, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to service. Um, if you guys would stand, we're going to read our lectionary passage from Psalm 99 this morning. Let's just everybody take a big, deep breath. The Lord is king. Let the people tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earthquake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. Mighty king, lover of justice, you have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Extol the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those who called on his name. They cried to the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them in the pillar of the of cloud, they kept his decrees and the statutes that he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You are forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Extol the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. So as we step into worship this morning, let's just center our hearts on Jesus, a God who is forgiving. A God who calls lost people home. A God, a God who makes broken people whole. Jesus, thank you for your presence here with us today. Thank you for the invitation to commune with you through word and worship and fellowship with each other. Holy Spirit, come. Make us aware of your presence today. Thank you, Jesus, for your friendship.
you have not been dethroned, but that you're sitting on the throne. We thank you that we can trust that you are chasing after the hearts of every individual on this earth and your heart is that all would be reconciled back to you. And so in the midst of chaos and unknown, God, because of your character and because of your unchanging nature, we get to lean into you corporately in a time of intercession. Because we know, even when we don't see it, because we know that you are loving and we know that you are good and we know you are a God that offers a hope beyond our circumstance, we're now gonna set aside a time and with our voices, we are going to begin to intercede on behalf of the people in Ukraine and also the people in Russia who are also lost and oppressed and victims in their own way. And we're gonna lean in and we're gonna ask and pray big things that the heart of Putin would change towards the heart of God. And we're gonna ask for safety and protection for the victims in, the, in, the, in Ukraine and the victims in Russia who don't even know that they're victims. And so with this same voice and the same sense of confidence, we can say, God, we know you care. We know that you're not turning a blind eye. We know that you are not afraid, that you haven't distanced yourself from this, but you are present and you are good, that there are believers across the world who are interceding. And so right now, we're not just gonna do it in our rooms. We're not just gonna do it by ourselves, but we're gonna join together with the global church and we are gonna say, God, would you come and have mercy on us? So lift your voices up and throne and throne and fill the praises. God, would you come? God, would you soften the hearts of people that are in power?
And so I encourage you in this moment and in the coming weeks that you would partner with the Spirit. tensions around the world, right? We know that there is a massive, massive war going on with just, with calamities that we can't even know. We can't even see the full effects yet. But our God, because of what we declared in the beginning, what we know is true is that our God is really loving and really kind even when we don't see it. And he's so good that he can be both God over the war that's going on and also God here and care and hold our own sorrows and our own weariness and our own troubles. He cares that I had bronchitis this week and I wanted to feel better. He cares that you are having a really hard time in your family. He cares that you don't have a job. He cares that for us at River City Church, we're looking for people to fill staff positions. He can do all of that in his beautiful, mighty, intentional, good, kind way. And so with with the same heart of intercession, we're gonna pray for the needs of this local body. And it's not as if we're trying to suggest it is equal to the urgency or the emergency that's happening across the world, but it's with a bold confidence that our God can hold all of it. It's with a bold confidence that he can handle both my inner turmoil and also. And so something that is present for our body right now that we're needing is we're having, we have three positions that we're needing God to bring up in people. We have a need for an RCC admin. And we have a need for somebody to step into a position, person to lead prayer. And we have a need. I just forgot the last one, sorry. Thank you. Hospitality. Oh, of all wants to forget. <laughs> if you're new here, we love you. <laughs> and we have a need for somebody to be over hospitality. And those are those are needs for us, for us to be able to love the local church and local city of Smyrna well. And they matter to the heart of God. And so if you and your seats would join with me for just a moment, would you pray that God would bring the right people? the right timing, his timing and his people to be put in the right places that we may more intentionally and effectively love our body well, that we would steward your hearts well, that we would steward the relationships we have with Smyrna well. So over the next two minutes, if you would be willing to just contend with us for God to bring these people to us that we might see somebody that we haven't seen or that somebody would be Stirred to say, yes, I think the Lord is putting that on my heart. Would there be a boldness and a confidence to walk in obedience? So God, we just offer this time up to you. small. You are a God of detail. Your ways are so wondrous and so vast that we can't even begin to fathom the ways that you hold all of it together. But somehow you do. 
And that is what makes one of the many things that makes you God and we are not. And so we recognize that we are not God, but we want to partner with you. And so we thank you for what you have already brought to River City. We thank you for the people that you have already brought to River City, for the relationships that have already begun to have been started. We thank you for that. And we just lift our needs up to you and we we desire to steward and to shepherd this mission and calling well. And you know our needs. And we present them before you. And we ask God, the, the people that you have, that you have said, it is, there is grace on this person for this role right now. God, would they surface? May we not make more of anyone and may we, may not, may we not make less of anyone. May it just be the one that you said is yes for right now. We trust you and we thank you, even when we cannot see it, even when we don't have the answers yet, even when we cannot see it yet. We lean into you and we declare and we exalt your name above every other thing. You are faithful and true. You are for the victim and the widow and the orphan the burdened and you promise rest supernatural rest and peace and so we ask God that we would make ourselves available to see and experience all that you are both in our personal lives and our corporate church and globally and may we never miss an opportunity to testify of who you are and the ways that we see you. May we never miss the ways in which you move in our lives to remind us that you are chasing after us. You are good, good Father. All right, so the reason these beautiful people are standing up here is because they are moving to Alabama. Let's do a redo. Let's just do Let's start over. She wants me to say Montgomery because she, are you, you don't like the word Alabama? It's a trigger word, Alabama. A lot of Alabama happening today, evidently. Roll Tide. Um, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to let you guys share with the body what y'all are about to do, and then we're going to pray for you, okay? So who wants the mic? So the reason we're leaving is because I'm taking a worship internship job in Montgomery. So Because my, my calling is to be a worship pastor one day. So this is just the next step in the whole process, and I really hope it's going to be great. So... Way to go. Way to step up and say it first. Um, I just want to say thank you to everyone here because um, you guys were literally family when I didn't really have family for real, like my actual family. And we had just left a church family that wasn't really a church family. So you guys filled that role in a really critical time in our lives. And you guys have a really specific calling in Smyrna that you've 
just do really, really well. Um, and we love you guys a lot, and we're really sad to leave this place, but we do know it's the next step because the Lord is taking care of literally everything. If you have questions, I'll tell you all about it. It's insane. It changed in like a week. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's all. So maybe you can be guest worship leaders sometime for River City Church. That'd be good. All right, so let's pray. If you guys want to reach your hands towards them. I'll just say before I pray, I've enjoyed you both since the day I've had an awkward interaction with you in the lobby. <laughs> and then the week after when you accidentally punched me in the face when we had our first side hug. It's a literal full-on punch to the chin. So I've loved every moment of both of you, and I'm really thankful. Yes, right here. <laughs> keep, keep it awkward. All right, so Jesus, thank you for this couple. Thank you for fostering the things in their heart and blessing our body by them. But we just ask right now that you would really be present in a transition season, that you would provide all the fruit of the Spirit, every bit of it, and that they would not forsake, no matter if they're transitioning or moving or in a car, that they would keep you at the center, that you would be the sustenance, the source, that you would truly be the cornerstone, that they would be with you as much as anything else, God. Pray that you would foster a deep connection and intimacy in their relationship. God, let it just be the right things in the next season for them. Bring blessing to them. Keep our relationship connected and let it even grow from here in some ways. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thankful for you. Bye. <laughs>
but I'm excited to figure out what that means when we see it. We, we really believe there's a move of God coming uh, to the city of Athens. And I would encourage you to be jealous for that idea and to claim it for your city. Because I think what God is doing um, is global. I think God is about to do a move in the world that will be available for any people who are hungry and want it. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But um, that's our passion. That's our hunger, is to see college students meet Jesus and then actually follow him. And then hopefully see the campus changed as they follow him. Oh my goodness gracious. I just looked over and saw uh, somebody else from Athens. I had no idea y'all are here. Are you serious? The cooey's in the house. Well, sorry, you know, married, but best cooey. Oh my goodness. That was like, sorry, y'all are catching me in a little bit of an awkward moment. They are supposed to live in Colorado or Portland, Oregon. They're supposed to live in Portland, Oregon. They traveled through Colorado and now they're in, in Smyrna, Georgia, and I had no idea y'all would be here. I'm sitting here talking about Athens, and there you are. Oh my goodness. Okay, we'll try to recover real quick. So I was, uh, I was praying for, for y'all's church, and I saw the image of a solar system. And I wasn't happy about that, and neither was Jesus. And I felt like what he said is that oftentimes his people function like a solar system. A bunch of individual planets all revolving around the sun, but they have their own revolutions, their own orbits, their own gravitational poles. And every once in a while they pass each other, but they don't actually influence each other. And I feel like the Lord wants us to become a people that are actually very, very interconnected. And I feel like that's the word to this church, is that if you take that, that idea of a solar system and then you get smaller, you have a planet, and then you get smaller, and you have a continent, and then you get smaller, and you have a country, and then a city, and then a community, and a neighborhood, and then even a, a, a home that a family lives in. And then you boil it down to the smallest part, and you have a body, a person. And that was what Paul chose to describe the church of Jesus as, as a body. He doesn't want us to function like a solar system where we don't even know each other are there until we get around to that spot where we pass one another. He wants us to live so interconnected that we would be a body. I, I, I think whatever God has for us as, as his people next, whatever God has for you as a church next, it will happen most fully when you become a family. Uh, I love what Josh is, is just leading in in this church just the spiritual practices of Jesus, where you take his life, you take his teachings, and you say, what does this look like when I actually believe it and live it? But here's, here's the caution, is that in the same way that the spiritual practices without connection with Jesus is dead religion, the spiritual practices without connection with each other might be the same. That it's taking one of Jesus' top two commands and divorcing it from the other. And isn't that interesting? Like the teachers come to Jesus and say, what is the greatest commandment? And he gives them two. Because he doesn't want the first without the second. He doesn't want us to forget to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and with all our strength. But if we love the Lord our God in that way, or we try to, and we forget to love our neighbor as ourselves, it actually won't even be possible. 
And we can give our whole lives to loving Jesus, but if we don't love our neighbor, I, I don't think a fraction of what the Lord wants to do in us and through us will actually happen. And so I think he wants to make y'all into a body. I think he wants to make you into a family. And the beauty is, is what that means is that each of you have what other people need and other people have what you need. That your needs will actually be unmet without one another. And the same is true for the people around you. That their needs will actually be unmet if you don't show up bringing your gift for that day. So I just want to encourage you in that. Um, okay, so I was going to bed last night and just kind of gave the Lord like one more shot. Uh, is there anything you would like to say uh, to anybody today, whether it was a group of people or anybody individual? And all of these J names just started running through my head. John, James, James. There's a Justin in the room. Didn't know he would be here. I, I feel, is, whose name starts with a J? First name, middle name, last name. I don't even care because this is going to be good. So I just want to. All right. It, and I really had this sense that the Lord say that, that for people, if your name starts with J, that this is his word for you this morning. Open doors and torn down walls. That things that used to be impossible are going to be possible. Things that used to feel difficult are going to get easy. And I just, I just want to speak a blessing over uh, y'all specifically. And um, golly, I don't feel like I, I have necessary permission to be like anybody and everybody. Like I felt like that was maybe a specific word, but I really want it to be. And I actually think if your name starts with J, that, that word is for you. If your name doesn't, I think they're going to be the first fruits of your breakthrough too. So open doors and, and torn down walls. Impossible things becoming possible and difficult things becoming easy. Alrighty, I think that's it. Let's talk about prayer. It's okay. I used a little bit of my time. Josh said I could speak for about an hour and a half. I'm just kidding. We're just feeling each other out. That was a decent response, at least from this side of the room. Y'all were nervous by that. It's okay. I won't speak that long. I won't speak that long. But I want to talk about prayer this morning. So uh, this is what Richard Niebuhr says. The great Christian revolutions come not by the discovery of something that was not known before. They happen when someone takes radically something that was always there. Prayer has always existed amongst God's people. That if you read, even just in the very beginning chapters of Genesis, it says, and man started to call upon the name of the Lord. Prayer has always existed. We're not going to try to rewrite the book. We're not going to try to, to discover this like new way to pray that all of a sudden is the magic potion. We're just going to take radically the call that has always been on God's people to pray. So this is some of the, the things that um, fathers in the church have said. John Wesley, God does nothing except through prayer. God does nothing except through prayer. If we lived as if that was true, things would radically change. Our lives would be different. The cities we live in would be radically different. Charles Spurgeon says, whenever God determines to do a great work, he first sets his people to pray. And then Charles Spurgeon also says, prayer moves the hand that moves the world. Prayer moves the hand that moves the world. Here's the thing. God is sovereign. He's in charge. He's the one that made it all actually with none of our help. 
He did it. He could have set up the world however he wanted. And when he set up the world, he chose to set it up in a way where there was going to be a partnership. That his hand moves the world, but we get to be the one to move his heart as he moves it. That God wants to establish in us a partnership with him where we are fully aware that what he does is bigger than anything we could do. But that we also realize that what we do is way more important than I think we oftentimes realize. That most of the time, the things in our lives that God wants to do, he's willing to do, he will wait to do until we pray. Until we come to that place where we say, God, would you move on my behalf? Would you move on behalf of this situation in my life, in a life of somebody else, in a life of a nation I've never even been to? That God will oftentimes, in the middle of his ability and willingness to move, he will wait to move until we pray. There's a, a passage in scripture that highlights this perfectly. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, 15 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal, heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. God really clearly, he says, if, then. I can't tell you how many times in my life I'm sitting around waiting for the then. Then God moves. Then God breaks through. Then God does this. And I forget the if. Like I'm wondering why the then hasn't happened. And God's like, because the if my people, if you, hasn't happened yet. That's, that is actually the patience of God to wait for our partnership with him. Because if he wanted the earth to be a certain way and wanted to do it without us, he would have made it that way a long, long time ago. But he wants an earth that is co-created with us. We see it from the very beginning. That he created the earth, he created man to rule over it. And sin and all that, I, I get it, but I don't think his purpose has changed in that that he still is wanting to have a partnership with humanity, where in that place where we say, God, what do you want the earth to look like? He wants to actually make his desires for the planet. Put them in our heart. Make his desires ours. And then as we pray and as we seek those things, he'll actually do it. I think most of the time we just sit around waiting for God to do whatever God wants to do. And that feels really holy. That feels really humble. God, just whatever you want to do, it's fine. Let me know. And God's like, I actually want to tell you that first so that you can ask me for it. Because I've created a world that you ask and you receive, you seek and you find, and you knock on the doors that I'll open for you. And the beauty of it is, sometimes that actually means that we get a choice. Like that, that might feel scary. That might feel very not humble. But you, but you see it, one, one of the clearest, one of the earliest images of intercession in the Bible is Genesis 18, where Abraham is just pleading with the Lord not to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He's like, God, I have a thought. Hold on. Before you do that, can we just talk this out? Oh, I know I, know I asked you one. Can I ask something else? Can I even be so bold? 
And God actually rewarded him even though the conditions weren't met. He saved Lot and his family out of his favor on Abraham. He's like, hey, we didn't get to that point in the prayer, but I knew it would come eventually, so I'll just do that. Like God wants our opinions. When God says something is going to happen, our opinion doesn't matter much. But he wants to hear it until then. Because he wants to see, hey, I have these things I want for the earth. But what do you want for the earth? I want to hear your heart cry. To know, if we did this together, what would it look like? Because he's trying to create a people to partner with. He's trying to create people who can actually reign with him. He is the king, but he wants to give us a place to reign with him. There's another part of that verse that I think is really, really important, and here's where I want to go the rest of the morning. God says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, and seek my face. It's not simply about what we say. It's about how we live. I think this this next line is amazing. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. So you're praying and God hears and he sees. Prayers aren't just something that sound. They actually look to. That your prayers sound like something to God and they look like something to God. He doesn't just respond to what he hears. He responds to what he sees. And there are so many times in my life where what I say is disconnected from what God sees in my living. And God's like, hey, I want you to pray, but you have to be clear about something. You have to humble yourself. Humility looks like something. It doesn't just sound like something. And then he says, you have to turn from your wicked ways and seek my face. I don't just want to hear the things you want. I want to see that you want it. Because he doesn't want to to do things for a people whose prayers and lives are disconnected. Because he just refuses to do everything for us and to turn the earth into exactly what he wants without without our participation. So if he gave us what we wanted, but our lives weren't ready to steward that, it would become what it was before. And so the Lord is saying, hey, I want your prayers and your lives to line up. There, there's an author of a book named Ken Shigematsu. It's a book called God in My Everything. What are you laughing at? That's his name. Okay, you can put that slide up so that Tina can see his name. Here's what he says. I want a life that does more than just pray sporadically, but that is itself a prayer. I want a life that does more than just pray sporadically but is itself a prayer. He, he wrote a book called God in My Everything. It's a must read. It's fantastic. And he says that in that book. And his point is this, that he doesn't want to just fit prayer into his life. He wants to turn his life into a prayer to God so that everything he does is an invitation. God, would you come and move? That, that, so there's this, there's this word that we all know. It means it's, it's amen. The word amen means let it be. So you ask all these things of God and then you get to the amen part and you're like, no, 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 I meant it. Let it be. Let it happen. Do you know the best way to tell God you meant it? Go live it. Don't just sit there and ask God for things and say amen as if that's like the magic word and then you can go live however you want. 
the, here's the biggest thing that I've been um, convicted with the last few years. There are so many prayers I pray in my life that if God were to answer those prayers, he would have to actually interrupt what I'm doing. God does not want to interrupt our lives in order to answer our prayers. He wants our lives to invite him, even after we've left that moment of prayer, to still come and to still answer. I'll tell you a convicting moment. This, no, don't laugh at me. This hurt, okay? Well, it didn't. It, well, it did hurt, but it's okay. You can laugh. So I remember um, summer of 2020, I'm doing what most people are doing, hopefully, praying, Jesus, would you get rid of COVID? Well, you know, we're praying that during the day. We're praying that at night with our kids. Uh, Asa was four years old at the time. He comes up with this brilliant strategy. He says, God, would you take COVID and throw it into the sun? Burn it up. That's fantastic. Like CDC just figured out COVID doesn't like heat. That's wonderful. Yeah, burn it up. Throw it in the sun. So I'm praying, God, would you get rid of COVID? Lord, you're the healer of all of our diseases. That if there's going to be restoration and, and healing from a global pandemic, I believe it's going to come from heaven. God, would you get, would you get rid of COVID? And one day I'm, I'm in that place of prayer, just asking God just to heal, quite literally, our land. And I just hear him say this. How many stocks do you own that would benefit from COVID sticking around? Because I, I bought Johnson & Johnson years ago. Great dividend, fantastic. And all of a sudden, they're leading the way when it comes to the vaccine. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, this could be good. Lord's provision, I'll take it however I can get it. And the Lord's like, not that way. Because if I answer your prayer, it will interrupt your financial investments. Do we live in a way that actually says, God, I want you to do the things I'm asking? Do we live in a way that says, hey, I, I'm not just saying this, I actually mean this with everything I do of every day? Because he wants to do more than just hear us. He wants to see that our hearts actually long for the things that we want him to do. It reminds me of what Paul says in Romans 12. Uh, he says, I urge you, brothers, in light of the Lord's mercy, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, pure and holy to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. He's saying, you're singing your songs, you're, you're, you're saying your hymns, that's worship, that's great, that's awesome, but this is what I actually want to see in you. Is that when you leave that place of song, that you would offer your bodies pure and holy to God, that's worship that I long to see from my spiritual children. And I think the same is true for prayer. Those moments where, where, where you're alone or you're in a corporate prayer meeting and, and you're asking God, God, would you do this? God, would you do that? I think his word to you is offer your life as a living sacrifice because that's what actually invites me to come. And it's just, it's just that, that invitation for us to ask, where is the way that I'm living disconnected from the things that I'm asking God to do? Where is he going to have to interrupt my life in order to answer my prayers? It makes me think about in John. So John 16, Jesus is telling his disciples what would happen. What's going to happen with his, his crucifixion, his resurrection, even, even in their life moving forward. And at the end of that passage, he says, I tell you this so that you may have peace. 
In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I've overcome the world. And towards the end of of Jesus' ministry, he was regularly telling his disciples what was gonna happen. Then there's that moment with Peter who's like, don't do it. And Jesus like, get behind me, Satan. Peter's like, ouch, bummer. Jesus wanted his people to understand what needed to take place so that they wouldn't be fearful, discouraged, and depressed when it happened. And then it happens, and they get fearful, discouraged, and depressed. And in John 20, we find that they are in a house with the doors locked because they're afraid. Jesus is like, hey, I'm telling you all these things so that you won't be afraid, that you would actually have peace. And the opposite happens. And Jesus, in his goodness and in his kindness, shows up anyways. It says, Jesus appeared in their midst. Here's the thing. The doors were locked. Jesus had to walk through a wall or, or just appear out of thin air because the disciples had locked the doors. And I just wonder, how many times do we pray one thing and then our lives actually lock the door for Jesus to come in? And so to answer our prayers, he has to walk through a wall or appear out of thin air. And he will do that at times because he's that good and he's that loving. But I would propose that the vast majority of times he won't because he says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I will hear. My eyes are open and my ears are attentive. Jesus wants us to open the doors of our lives to him, not just with our prayers, but with our lives that have become prayers to him as invitations. Again, it's just that that thing that Ken is trying to get at, that prayer is just not something I fit into my life. In the morning, in the afternoon, at night, when I'm stressed, when I think about it, prayer is something we turn our lives into that are just constant invitations for Jesus to come and for Jesus to move on our behalf, on behalf of other people. It's as much about them as it is about us. That's what the life of Jesus said. The life of Jesus declares to us it is as much about them as it is about us. So I just have that question of like, does does my life scream at God? persistently, almost annoyingly, come. Because here's the thing. For me, a lot of times, if I'm praying for something and I don't see God answer right away, the thought in my head is, I just need to pray louder. Right? Like if he sees my passion, if he hears how loud I'm praying, surely he's going to know how bad I want it. And it's, let, let's turn real quick to, to uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. This is a fun little story that puts that thought right in its place. So 1 Kings chapter 18, there's this showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And Baal is like just this kind of like catch-all for whoever the people need to be their God and whatever they need their God to do. And so Elijah's got this showdown with the prophets of Baal, and he's like, hey, I have an idea. Let's set up two sacrifices, one for y'all, one for me. And then we'll invite our God to fall on that sacrifice with fire. 
and whichever one falls with fire, we'll just agree that that'll be our God. And so the prophets of Baal, are, they're going at it. They're like, come, come on, we want you. Fall like fire, fall like fire. And, and it says from morning till noon, they cried out to Baal to fall on the, the sacrifice with fire. And then at noon, Elijah's feeling pretty good about himself. So he starts to taunt them. He's like, go ahead, come on, louder. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he's far off and he can't hear you quite yet. Maybe he's even sleeping and you need to wake him up. Louder, because that'll work. Right? And then, and then, so they just start screaming and yelling and they even start to cut themselves. They get their bodies involved. It's like, hey, yeah, 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 that'll work too. And there's so many times where I take that posture. I'm like, God, why are you not answering my prayers? If I scream, if I get worked up physically, maybe that'll work. They keep doing it till night and nothing happens. And then Elijah's like, all right, my turn. And he even dumps water on the sacrifice just so that everybody there will know. And then it says this, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. I have done them. His prayer didn't start when he said, O Lord. His prayer started when he made the sacrifice, when he dumped the water on it and invited God with his faith to move. He said, answer me, O Lord. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. It is not how loud we pray. It is not how involved and worked up we get ourselves. It is about that place where I align my asking with my living. And it becomes absolutely irresistible to God. And I, th I think one of the best ways that we can do that is with gratitude. Um, during uh, the summer of 2020, when, you know, like, they told us, everyone go home and you're not allowed to come out. And we were like, really? With, with, with all three kids? Okay, we'll do that. Um, so, you know, we're just constantly trying to, trying to find fun ways to like, you know, keep the kids occupied, keep us occupied, going outside, doing the whole thing. And, and then one day I was like, hey, I, think, I think like the boys are really into dinosaurs right now. I think I'm going to get them some dinosaurs. So I, I go on Amazon because, you know, they're, they're still functioning and the only place in the world. But well, you can still get your stuff off Amazon. I find for like 15 bucks, I got 20 of these like knockoff Lego dinosaurs that just showed up in my house. Big old box. And I'm like, this is great. So I like show Leah and she's like, you're going to give them all those? I was like, no, 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 no. I'll give them like one a week. This is like three months worth of toys right here. This is, this is amazing. Well, golly, dad of the year. So I, so I, I call my boys in. I got this big box of, of, of dinosaur Legos. I'm going to give them each one. I call them in there. And I, I pull out uh, one box for each of them, and I hand it to them. And they're just like, it's a velociraptor. This is amazing. I was like, that felt really good. I think I'm going to do it again. So I literally pull out two more boxes, one for each of them. And I hand it to them. They say, there's another velociraptor. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't stop. I give them another one. And the next thing you know, all the, all the dinosaurs are gone. I've given them each 
10 knockoff Lego dinosaurs. And I literally walk in the kitchen with this empty box. My wife looks at me and goes, three months, huh? I'm like, their gratitude was irresistible. They literally responded when I gave them one. How could I not give them two and three and four? And, f- and it just, it snowballed because I'm like, guess what? I'm not even as good a dad as our father in heaven. And my kids operating in gratitude was irresistible to me. Here's the beauty. You can only ask for so much in your prayer time with God because of time, because of what your imagination can think up. When your life becomes a prayer, your life will ask God to do things that you can't even imagine. When your life becomes a prayer, submitted, devoted, laid down to Jesus, he will start to do things that you didn't even ask for yet because your, your life is inviting him in. I love Ephesians 3.20 where it says, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And one of the reasons I love that is because it's very convicting to me. Because, so, you know, all we could ask or imagine, he can do immeasurably more. That's how it is for me, to be honest. I can imagine some pretty amazing things. But most of the time, I only have faith to ask for a portion of it. So here's what I can imagine. Here's what I ask for. Here's what he wants to do. And when I start to live a life that is prayer to God, inviting him to come and to move, then I start to experience that abundantly more because I don't have to have the words to tell him what I want. I don't even have to have the imagination to think it up. I have a life that is completely devoted, completely surrendered, laid down as a sacrifice. And even when it feels like I've had water just poured out on it, that if right now you're like, I don't feel like my life is much of a sacrifice, even if I gave it all. I don't feel like I have have all that much that is desirable to God, all that much that is desirable to other people. God's like, I look at that sacrifice and my fire still falls because it doesn't matter to him. And when I lay my life down as a sacrifice, that's when the fire falls. And sometimes I can't even imagine what he wants to do, let alone have the faith to ask for it. But it's in that place where he can do it anyways. And think about what it would look like for y'all as a body, as a church, to become a living sacrifice together. Think of the size of that offering and the size of the fire that would burn when the Lord fell. Um, Psalm 133 is, is the passage of scripture I was named after. And um, that, that psalm, it just says how, how good and pleasing it is when brothers live together in unity. And the end of that psalm actually makes the declaration, it's in that place where God commands his blessing to go when his people are living together in unity, when individual offerings, individual living sacrifices come together into a giant brush pile, God's like, that looks like a place where I can really burn. That's where my blessing is going to go. 
I, a couple of things. I don't, I don't want us to miss the significance of that, of that verse, how good and pleasing it is when brothers live together in unity. That word good, the same exact Hebrew word that God used to describe his creation. Same thing. It's not just the same word in English. It is actually the same word in Hebrew that when God looked at his creation, he said, good, 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 very good. And then he looks at two brothers living together in unity and says, I've seen that before. And then you have that word unity. It actually means a togetherness. It's the same word that we see in the story of Abraham when him and Isaac go together to the top of the mountain to make an offering to the Lord. Isaac was that offering for a minute. But he went anyways. Here's what I want to say. At some point, Isaac realized what was going on. At some point, Isaac realized that he was the offering to the Lord. He was 15 years old ish. But he was like a 15-year-old man. He wasn't like 15-year-old like millennial who plays video games all day. Sorry. He was a 15-year-old man and his grandfather was 115 years old. Or his dad. Yeah, he should have been his grandfather, but that's all right. (laughs) Abraham wasn't making his son do anything that he didn't want to do. Like it physically would not have been possible. They did not just go together. They went together in that place where where Isaac looks at his father Abraham and says, yeah, this isn't really a, a very good physical match, but I'll do it anyways because I'm so together with you. I'll carry the wood for the sacrifice. I'll lay down on the altar. I'll even stay there when you raise the knife to make the sacrifice. That's the kind of togetherness that God longs for his people to experience. He sees it and says, that reminds me of creation. And that's where I'm going to pour out my blessing. Those are the kind of lives that become irresistible to God. Those are the kind of lives that invite God to come and to move. All right, last last couple of verses. One more thought, and then we'll wrap up. 2 Chronicles 15.2 says this, The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. There's not a whole lot of talking in those, that verse. It is a life that says, God, would you come? And then 2 Chronicles 16.9, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. His eyes are open and he's looking throughout the earth saying, where is a heart that is fully committed to me? Because that's where I want to go. And I want to strengthen whatever they're doing. And I want to increase the kingdom in their lives and in their place. So um, around March of, of 2020, just as everything was kind of shutting down because of COVID and all that stuff, I was spending some time with the Lord. And I was in um, Genesis, specifically Genesis 41, which is the story 
uh, of Joseph interpreting the dreams of Pharaoh. And uh, one of the dreams that Pharaoh has that, that Joseph interprets is there are seven fat, healthy cows. And then there are seven ugly, skinny, malnourished cows. And the seven malnourished cows eat the seven healthy ones. And Joseph interprets his dream and says, there's going to be seven years of abundance followed by seven years of famine. We have to do something to prepare. And as I'm reading this story, honestly, I really felt like I heard the Lord say that this moment you're in will actually be the opposite of that. That instead of going from abundance to famine, that this pandemic will give way to prosperity. That instead of us having plenty and then not enough, we will experience life where we feel like there's not enough and then there will be plenty. And I'm believing for that. And when I first read that, I was like, well, just not seven years, right, God? <laughs> and now I'm a little nervous if I'm being honest. But I, but I think it is very, very important for us to realize that I think that time is coming. I think a time of prosperity is coming. And when I say prosperity, oh my goodness, like I'm barely even talking about a strong economy. Like, sure, maybe that's the result, but the result of what? It's prosperity of our minds, that the mental health we struggle with, God will heal that and he will reorient the way that we think. That it will be a prosperity of our soul, of our spirit, with our life with Jesus. It will be a prosperity of our bodies. We experience health and healing that I think we are in so desperate need of. It will be prosperity of relationships. That groups of people that are currently at odds with each other, whether it's genders, whether it's races, whether it's political parties, whether it's the denominations of the church of Jesus, there's going to be healing and restoration that comes into that place. And God is offering us, I believe, the ability for us to go from a time of pandemic to a time of prosperity, where we experience an abundance that right now kind of, become, kind of seems like a little bit of a joke. It kind of seems like a, a, a carrot that would be dangled in front of us. But here's the key. It's going to take God's people humbling themselves and praying, turning from their wicked ways and seeking his faith, his face for us to experience that. that it, I, 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 maybe it's promised, maybe it's not. It's definitely offered. And what God offers us is received when we pray. And I think it will be fully received when our lives actually become prayers to him. They say, come. And let your fire fall in this place. And our world is in desperate need of that. That we would, we, we would actually become the people that are the offerings to Jesus so his fire could fall. And then the world can watch it burn. And then I close, I close my Bible. I shouldn't have. Here's what's amazing about the words of Elijah. Because at this point, he could probably be pretty upset if he wanted to. Like, people aren't really backing him up. Like, he's experiencing all this, like, frustration and persecution. Here's how he ends his prayer. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you are turning their hearts back again. It's about them. It's about them. The person that you have in your mind that maybe seems least likely to be included in the prosperity of Jesus 
it's for them. The person in your mind that you would want the prosperity of Jesus the least for, if we can be honest about that, it's for them. And Jesus says, I want a people whose lives would become a prayer that invites me so that my fire can fall on them and I can burn and those people would see that I'm turning their hearts back to me. All right. So I just want to take a few minutes, just right where you are. It doesn't have to look any specific way, but I just want to take a few minutes and I just want to to ask you, just begin to turn your, your, your mind, turn your heart to the Lord. And you can ask him, God, what do you want to do? You can tell him what you want to see him do. And just as you make those prayers to the Lord, I would just invite you to say, God, how can I align my life with this thing I'm asking you? How can I make this prayer that I'm saying not just something that I utter with my words, but something that I actually shout with my entire life? Not that I would have to say it louder, but that I would actually live louder to invite you to come. And so just right where you are, just ask, Jesus, what do you want to do in my life, in the lives of the people around me on this earth? Jesus, would you come and do it? Jesus, I thank you that you truly are able to do immeasurably more than we ask and imagine. Lord, those places of our hearts that we need our minds renewed so that we can actually believe you for the things you want to do, that can actually imagine with you the things that you're capable of. God, I pray you would renew our minds, that you would breathe faith into us, Jesus. And God, I I pray that we would live lives that invite you to come and to move, not lives that actually require you to interrupt us to do what we've asked you to do. God, I pray that more and more that we will become people that offer ourselves as living sacrifices that say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Have your way. Lord, we, we say, not our will, but yours be done. And we say, let your kingdom come as earth on, his, on earth as it is in heaven. But we just ask you, Jesus, that that we would see a world change because the King of glory comes in. I pray that the knowledge of the Lord would fill the earth like water covers the sea and that that would bring about a revival that we've never even imagined before in our minds. That when we think of people coming to Jesus, I believe that we don't think of something big enough quite yet compared to what you want to do. I pray that for our planet I pray that for our country. I pray that for the city of Smyrna. 
Jesus, that there would be a harvest of souls and that it would happen as your people who are called by your name would humble themselves and pray, would turn from their wicked ways and would seek your face. God, I thank you that your eyes are open and your ears are attentive to every prayer that is offered. And Jesus, I pray that what you hear and what you see would come from a place of faith, believing you, Jesus, and that you would respond with your abundantly more. Help us, God. But we just rely on your Holy Spirit for all of this. We say we desperately need grace, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. If you all would stand with me. Thank you so much, Aaron. We're going to do the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So if you'd like to receive prayer personally, we're going to create some space in the room. Uh, if I've talked to you before service, uh, you guys can come here. And then Alyssa and company, you got to find a buddy, I think, on your way over here. Uh, if you want to interact with what was said and what you feel God is moving in your spirit, we'd love to pray with you here. If not, recognize that over the next two months, we're going to be stepping deeper into the life of prayer. There is now available intercession, 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings you are invited to. And we'll be stepping into two resources, the lectionary continually and also the book A Praying Life, which has been very formative for me. And so before we do that, before we let prayer, is there a way we can pray for you and your foundation and your family? So once more of the Holy Spirit. So everyone just reach their hands toward our brother and his family is right here as well. Jesus, we ask that you would honor this prayer and that he would uh, create space in his life for it. We pray blessings over each generation as he's in this room, in this building with four generations of his family. 
I pray uh, just a strong connection in each of those generations together and that they would see blessings just all throughout each generation and healing and health and that you would lead them all into as kids, wife, parents, grandparents, into more time with you. I pray that space would beget space, grace would beget grace, and that freedom would beget freedom. God, I thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to receive prayer, come up and have it. If you're going to hang out and talk, if you wouldn't do that, if you would mind doing that in the lobby, that would be great. Love you guys so much. Thanks for being here. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.